McHenry, the program associate at Ponars Eurasia. And with us today is Hilary Apple, a professor at Claremont McKenna College, and Mitchell Ornstein, a professor of Russian and Eastern European Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, Hilary and Mitchell, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. What is the main contribution of the book? The main contribution of the book is to try to offer a new theory of post-communist transition. In essence, we realized after 20 years that many of the predictions and early theories that you would find political transformation so difficult that it would halt the process of economic liberalization turned out not to be true. So what we wanted to do in this book is try to understand why it is that economic liberalization not only survived for two decades, but in fact intensified. So the point of the book and the contribution of the book is to offer a theory of competitive signaling. What we argue is that these countries continue to liberalize year after year after year, despite a lot of uh, political resistance to it, because these countries were looking for ways to reinsert themselves into the international economy and also to compensate for the fact that they were really lacking capital, which was required for economic development. So these countries signaled through economic policies, through liberal economic policies, in order to attract foreign direct investment. And this went on for decades um, because these countries, these governments, were convinced and were able to convince their populations that this was the only way to be attractive to foreign direct investment if you didn't have other means to attract foreign investors like natural resources. So the book is intending to offer a very broad uh, explanation for the persistence of neoliberal economic reforms throughout the post-communist world. Up until about 2008 where we start to see uh, a change in the flow of resources and a change in the success of the liberalization project. Why did you and your co-author decide to write a book about the triumph and crisis of neoliberalism? What was your motivation? Well, we were schooled on the theories of democracy in the market by Jaworski and others that really emphasized that there was a very short window of time to pursue market reform and that if you didn't do it as quickly as possible, that that window of opportunity would close. And so we felt that even though there's been fantastic work trying to explain the way transition has evolved, it really hasn't gone back and tried to come up with a broad grand theory of transition to explain this very unanticipated development and also hasn't been able to explain why the momentum has stopped. Much has been written lately on the rise of populism and economic nationalism in Eastern Europe and elsewhere. How does the emergence of populist parties and politicians in the region relate to the crisis of economic liberalism you discuss in the book? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I think that um, a lot of people have given a lot of different explanations for the rise of populism, but one that you don't hear frequently enough is the way in this was a reaction to neoliberal economic policies. So for 20 years in most Central and East European countries and former Soviet Union, Central Asia, regardless of who you voted for, you would still get neoliberal policies. Right. And so increasingly, as people began to be dissatisfied with these policies, they began to vote more and more for extremist parties and to go uh, go to the extremes. And even then, sometimes they weren't getting the changes they want. So I think with the populism, the populists were the first after 2008 
to really offer voters a real alternative of an economic and nationalist economic policy alternative to neoliberal economic policies. And I think that accounts for a great part of their popularity, particularly among centrist voters. I think the, the key thing about the uh, populists in uh, Poland and Hungary, which is interesting, is that they've been able to maintain their popularity for quite a long time. And it's not only because they're appealing to the far right and to nationalists, but it's also because they're offering an economic alternative to neoliberalism that's actually very viable. Fascinating. Hillary uh, Mitchell, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah.